You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to an episode of uh, Jet Nation Radio. This is uh, your host, Alex Barallo. I'm waiting for Glenn to call in here so we can get uh, some Jets talk out to you listeners. Uh, it's been a couple weeks for me, kind of going through the ringer. That's what life does to you sometimes, throws you a curveball. So, um, you know, I uh, just got to do what everybody else does, put their best foot forward and take it one day at a time. It's the best things that we can do. But, um, you know, a lot of stuff's brewing in uh, Jets land here. Um, looks like Glenn might be on the line here. He might be muted. I'm not sure. Glenn, are you there? I'm here, Alex. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Okay, great, great. How are we doing, man? I'm doing good, doing good. Just uh, reuniting myself back with uh, Jet Nation and everybody. Uh, you know, you've been holding down the Ford for me as I've, uh, life has been throwing me a couple curveballs here. But, you know, good to be back. Yeah. Talking with you about our yeah, hope everything's settling down, man. Things were getting a little crazy for you there for a little bit. Yeah, well, we're 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 in phase one, um, entering into phase two, and and hopefully phase three will be over. Long story short, pipe went in my shower, flooded my neighbor, and um, now I'm just uh, you know supporting local business, as they say, trying to get all the repairs right. done in a gif so everybody can go back to normalcy. But uh, you know that happens when you're a homeowner. Um, but uh, you know, just like the Jets uh, <laughs> organization, sometimes leaks come through the cracks, and uh, we get information and tidbits, and, and it looks like some information is leaking today. Have you been watching uh, the Twitter feed, Glenn? I have, I have, and um, it looks like, uh, so So for anyone who's not keeping up, uh, within the last couple hours, uh, Michael Lombardi, I believe it was from The Athletic, uh, tweeted out yes. that a deal involving Yannick Ngakwe was imminent, uh, likely to be completed tomorrow with a team for a second rounder. Uh, within an hour of that, he tweeted out that his understanding was the Jets were heavily involved. Since he tweeted that, Manish Maida of New York Daily News tweeted that the Jets are not involved. Not long after that, Rich Semini of ESPN tweeted out for Jets fans to relax. And just a few minutes ago, Yannick Ngakwe's agents tweeted out um, that you've got to love it when a trade that isn't due to happen gets leaked by a fake reporter and picked up on by a national reporter and becomes a story or something to that effect. Um, but to me, the key words um, in the, the tweet from Ngakwe's people was as of yet. So they didn't say no trade was in the works. They just said, as of right now, it's not official. So that's, uh, that's kind of an interesting situation. Um, listen, Ngakwe, I, I think we've talked about him. I would love Yannick Ngakwe to be a Jet. I just I don't see it happening. Uh, the primary reasons being, uh, I think Joe Douglas values his draft picks. I, th- I think if Joe Douglas wanted to bring in a pass rusher with Yannick Ngakwe's price tag, he would probably just bring in Jadavion Clowney and save himself the draft pick. 
Um, you can give up a two and get Ngakwe, who you cannot extend uh, until the end of this year, or you can offer a similar deal to Jadavion Clowney and save your second-round pick. So, it, you know, it would surprise me, I, and I, I, it's not that I don't want Ngakwe to be a Jet. I just think it goes against what I would expect from Joe Douglas at this point. But uh, what have you seen, Alex, and what are your thoughts? Um, to be honest with you, I did not see that his agent went out and tweeted what you said. So yeah, you know, that, that brings just a lot of clarity to the minutes. situation. It's yeah, very, very. I'm, I'm trying to find the exact the, tweet. Who was the lineman Conklin? How, yeah, everything was coming out with Jack Conklin being, you know, all but, you know, tailored into a Gotham Green jersey. Or the, the, the Jets then, were going to make you know, him a record-breaking deal. Right, and then it all the got Jets were going to make him the highest-paid offensive lineman in history. I mean, truthfully, it doesn't really match up to what we've seen thus far from Joe Douglas. And I'm not going to sit right. here and call him cheap or frugal or anything like that. We've all heard the reports about how um, he had his hands tied for you know how much money he could spend in free agency, and um, you know we didn't really make a lot of big splash signings, and you know we let one of the better safeties in the league, you know, get dealt and we couldn't get a deal done with him. So everything to, to me just, just doesn't really make sense because we know that Ngakwe is looking for, you know, top elite money um, near that 18 to 20 million uh, range. So, you know, for, for me, it just doesn't sound like a Joe Douglas move. Um, if it happens, it happens, you know, obviously going to support the guy, going to root for him, and hopefully he's a double-digit sack monster for the Jets. But, uh, you know, from everything that we've seen, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense at this point. And, you know, from what would make sense is him, Joe Douglas, holding out a little bit, waiting for another week or two to go by, and then maybe the Logan Ryan committee and the um, Stavion Clowney committee ends up saying, hey, look, um, we don't have a job right now. We don't have a contract. Um, and not knowing what this season is going to do, probably best to get some sort of money on the table for you, um, you know, and, and, and stop being, you know, put the ego aside and, and stop being so greedy. You know, if you got to sign an eight or a $9 million deal for a one-year show-me contract, you know, this sport you can't play forever. So, you know, maybe that's what Joe Douglas is doing, saying I don't have to be impatient. I can be patient. I can wait another week or so. And, you know, maybe one of these players that were in rumors and talked about several weeks ago uh, might come through. Uh, because, you know, right now, uh, it, what is it, $17 million, almost $18 million on that franchise tag for Yannick Ngakwe? And that's a one-year deal. Right. Um, here's, so here's, would the Jets the exact want to quote, do Alex. that and give up, um, uh, you know, commodities in the draft? I don't know. Yes, since since you didn't see it, I, I, I just pulled it up. So this is from a DEC management um, who who handles Ngakwe. Um, always a good day when a quote reporter leaks a trade that's not happening as of now, and then gets duped by a fake Twitter account of a national reporter backing up his fake trade. I love this site. So <laughs> take that for what you will. But like I said, the key to me is the, the as of now. So the none of the reports I saw said that it was um that it was a done deal. They said it was it was that they were close 
and it could happen by tomorrow. Uh, and then the other, and even the uh, the tweet about the Jets said, you know, they were hearing that the Jets are involved. So nobody said anything was done. Nobody said the Jets were the only team. But like I said, uh, Manish Mehta and Rich Samini both seem to come out and debunk it. Uh, Rich Samini just saying, calm down, Jets fans. Manish Mehta saying he uh, he's being told the Jets are not involved. And again, that would sort of line up with with what our expectations are um, with this team, with Joe Douglas. And again, I would love Ngakwe, but um, I think I think Joe Douglas. Yeah, who would? I think he's going to hang on to those draft picks. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, the Jets have about thirty million on the cap year to date, so this guy's you know seventeen point seven. We'll just call it eighteen million. You know, that leaves us with twelve million for the rest of the year. Um, you know, you could probably, you know, use that money and pick up guys off the street if, you know, injuries occur or, you know, this COVID quarantine situation happens. Um, you know, you're going to need some yeah, money also, throughout the I mean, season. realistically, if, if they wanted a deal to happen, they're projected to have $74 million in cap space next year. Even if the cap drops, they're, you know, they'll be in the 50 range. They could always move money around. They could approach a player who they know is going to be around next year and say, look, we're going to push, you know, $5 million of your salary to next year, and we'll make it fully guaranteed to make it worth your while to let us do that. So money can be moved around. But I get your point, though. $17 million is a lot when you've only got $30 million in space, and, uh, and do you yep. want to have to jump through all the hoops of getting guys to move money around? Um, so, so unlikely, yeah, right. I, I tweeted out, as soon as I saw the rumor just that there was a trade, a trade rumored before the Jets were mentioned, I tweeted and said I would be shocked if the Jets were involved in this. Um, then about a half hour later came the second tweet saying the Jets are involved in this, which I, I said, look, good, shock me, make a deal. But uh, I don't see it happening. Um, I just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out, obviously, if, if, if there's any truth to the rumor that he's being traded at all. The, the claim is that it's sometime in the next couple days um, or as early as tomorrow. So that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, so but but there what would you rather have, Sorry? Glenn? Like, would you rather have one player at $18 million or would you rather have two players, you know, for $25 million, which could end up being like a Clowney and a Logan Ryan? I think I'd rather go with plan B than plan A at this moment and keep our future draft picks. So, yeah, I know, think that's the thing with Logan do. Ryan is, is this, this supposed story. Who was it? I think it was uh, Manish and I think it was followed up by some other folks. Uh, claiming that Ryan's agent has let teams know that his intention is to play safety. And that's one of the reasons he hasn't signed yet. So that kind of makes it a situation where the Jets probably don't want Logan Ryan because they don't need a safety. They need a, they need another corner. And really, to me, if you're trying to move to safety, if you're Logan Ryan, that tells me you don't believe in yourself as a, as a corner because that's where the money is. You know, if you're a number one or two corner, you're going to get more than, a, than a, your sort of average, above average safety. Uh, unless he really believes he can be uh, a game-changing type player at safety, he's costing himself money by moving there. Um, and so, again, if you're costing yourself money, that leads me to believe he, he doesn't think he can play corner. Um, so who would I prefer? I, I honestly – oh, a couple weeks ago it would have been an easier decision, but now with Ryan reportedly looking to move, I'm, I'm looking at it like, well, maybe he's just – maybe he's not that good. that he, he's, he's looking to get away from the corner position – and move inside. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But the clowny thing is interesting. I, I, I mean, really, I, you know, we know that stats don't tell the whole story. 
But for a guy who's supposed to be a pass rusher, who had three sacks last year, and, you know, I saw a report the other day, Alex, I don't know if you saw this, saying that he has had multiple offers in excess of $15 million a year, and he's turned them down. So he's obviously, Eight. these rumors of him wanting $20 million, uh, might be maybe he's looking for 17 or $18 million a year. You're going to give a guy $18 million who had three sacks last year? I, I think that's going to be a tough yeah. one. Yeah. And, and I don't think Joe yeah, Douglas, I mean, I, I wouldn't I, do it. <laughs> the only way I would see Joe Douglas, Douglas entertaining it is if it is, in fact, for a one-year deal. Because um, Clowney, Clowney also represents, you know, let's not forget, if you sign a guy like Clowney, if he's playing well, but you still don't want to meet his trade demand, his uh, his, contra- his contractual demands, that's a decent trade chip toward the toward the trade deadline for a, for a contender that's looking to add a pass rusher. Um, so maybe 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 you carry Clowney for five six games, and uh, you pay him a bunch of money, but it gets you a second or third round pick. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and did you see the? Um... The, the the false report that came out that everybody uh, bid onto too that we were sending like two third rounds one this year and one next year I I tweeted out for, I was like yo people like don't buy this stuff this is like a, this is a, a oh fake my. account guy's got like seventy followers I'm hearing this that and the other saying he's, he's hearing that the the, the Ngakwe to the Jets is pending a, uh, an extension the extension deadline's passed he can't they can't sign him to an extension uh, someone asked me would would the would the team would the the agent be able to waive that I don't believe so because that would sort of defeat the purpose of having the the deadline in place. Teams would just waive it all the time if they wanted to. So I don't know for sure, but I don't recall anyone ever doing that, and I think it would sort of circumvent or defeat the purpose of having it in place. So I don't believe you can get a, get him signed to a deal. But yeah, spare me the, the Twitter account with a dozen followers telling me that uh, you know they're getting inside information from teams about you know the Jets are going to extend a guy whose dead whose extension deadline is passed. Yeah, uh, actually, but Twitter's you know, crazy, man. We we talked about you can tweet out anything, and somebody's going to believe it, and someone's going to retweet it, and then a million people are going to see it, and some of those people are going to believe it, and you're going to have yourself like a few thousand followers based on a couple of bogus tweets. Um, I I not my thing, but I know for some people they need those dopamine hits. They like those likes and those retweets, and they'll say whatever the hell they can to get more of them. Um, you know, to each his own. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But uh, training camp week, huh? Things are getting exciting. Yeah, I'll out tell there. you. It's. I'll tell you what, man. This, this is the. I understand why. I get COVID's a big deal, and there's reasons why this stuff is in place. But I, I talked about this. I was on a. I did a podcast yesterday. Uh, Believe in Jets, and uh, and it's it's terrible. I mean, here's what I can tell you about the Jets. Uh, a, a week and a bit into training camp. Uh, Chris Herndon made a nice catch. Uh, Brashad Perryman's fast. Mekhi Becton is big. Um, I think that covers it. I think it's like all the news. <laughs> like Je- Jeff Smith is getting some reps with the ones. No one's telling me if he's caught a no football yet. No one, no, I don't know if Jeff Smith has caught a pass yet, but I keep seeing people say, Jeff Smith getting run with the ones. Jeff Smith is a dark horse, which I love. I said last year, look, Jeff Smith is a guy to me who, and I, I put it, you know, I, when I did the 90-man roster rundown this preseason, or, you know, a few weeks ago before the start of the preseason, to give, you know, for those fans who don't keep up with every single guy on the roster, and I said about him, he's a guy who has a unique skill set that no one else on the roster has. 
He runs a 4-3-7. He played quarterback in college. He can be a good gadget guy, obviously very explosive. There's no one else on the roster who can do that, so maybe he finds a way to stick. So I'm excited to hear that he's running with the ones. No one's told me. I don't even know he's been targeted, let alone catch a ball. I don't know if anyone has thrown a ball to him. We know nothing about this team right now. Oh, uh, Trevon Westfall made a good catch, that too. So there's four things I know oh, about the Jets the right team? now. Good for him. Yeah, apparently. Apparently, and he made a nice catch today. So we Herndon made a catch so far this week. Uh, Wesco caught a ball this week. Um, Becton, like I said, Mackay Becton's big. I don't know if you heard about that. And, um, yeah, one or two <laughs> other things. Quincy Wilson intercepted uh, the, the fourth-string quarterback today. That was huge news. I mean, this is terrible, Alex. This is brutal. I mean, uh, Jesus. I know, there's, there's, I'm looking at I mean, we're nuts right now, and I'm getting sad. <laughs> and and, and from, uh, from my understanding, the media has access to, like, two more practices. So as bad as it's That's been, brutal. it's going to get worse in the coming weeks. We're, we, yeah, we they have nothing. the guys, like, locked in a room looking at they, – they set up a couple cameras, and the cameras are well, pretty that, cool. That, was, all, that um, was for the rain day. For the day that it rained. Oh, that was for the they, rain when day? When the Jets were oh, in the bubble. okay. They, yeah. Uh, when the weather's been clear, they're outside on the sideline. Um, but when, oh, okay. when it, well, when it rained the other day, yeah, yeah. But still, just nothing. I'm seeing nothing. I'm seeing, you know, Perriman had a catch and run today. Uh, he caught a bomb last week. But, you know, it's against, Apparently, against safety. Arthur Mollette got uh, yanked from uh, uh, right out of uh, his spot and got replaced right after Perriman burned him on an 80-yard TD. So it looks like Greg Williams has in, uh, is already in full season mode. Yeah, and it's, you know, somebody said today, actually, you know what I did want to touch on, because uh, probably the most extensive um, information I've seen so far, uh, Albert Breer uh, of MMQB tweeted out a little while ago, he had five observations about the Jets, and uh, again, not a whole lot there, not 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 much, but uh, he had a couple of observations you know, nothing, nothing earth-shattering. Kind of. Yeah, he uh, talked you know, about uh, Herndon. Yeah, Herndon. Yeah, I got to, I got he got talk, to see those. He talked about the yeah. catch I mentioned. Um, let's see. Right here. So Herndon made a catch. Uh, early signs that there's chemistry there, which we expected. I've said a million times this offseason, Herndon is the X factor this year. If he's healthy, he gives the offense hope to be able to to make some plays. The Jets won Denzel Mims back at practice. Shocking. Uh, they said he's been, you know, he's been good during the, the the virtual meetings, but I mean, really, how much are we going to take from that? Um, Ashton Davis, who I did want to talk about because that was sorry, that was another play I read about the other day, but it really yeah. does give you some hope because that kid. I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back and and do the revision revisionist history thing. Pissed when they made that pick because all I saw, <laughs> all I heard was safety. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, as much as we need receivers and O-linemen, and we have Jamal Adams and Marcus May, and you just drafted a safety? Um, but, you know, looking back, you know, obviously now with Jamal gone, and I had a conversation with someone the other day, and I said maybe they knew then. Maybe maybe on draft day they were like, look, Jamal, even if he's here this year, he's not going to be – we're, we're going to get what we can for him. So Ashton Davis is a guy who can play that center field role better than anyone else they have on the roster. He's got world-class speed, and he made a play the other day that it's the kind of stuff 
that, that you that you you're hoping he can do. He you know he went from from the middle of the field to the far sideline to break up a pass. Now that's the type of stuff we didn't see a lot of from Jamal Adams that you don't see a lot of from Marcus May. So and we know Greg Williams loves playing that single high that deep safety. So if he's going to do that and Ashton Davis is his guy, and Ashton Davis is a guy who can cover, you know, thirty forty yards in a matter of a, you know second and a half two seconds. Is he going to be a, an impact player as a rookie? Um, Breer seems to think so. He says that, um, and he also listed that the Jets have him listed as the backup safety, but, but uh, or sorry, backup punt returner. But Davis, you know, we, the bodies they have at safety after the Adams trade um, with May on the roster with 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 Davis, I think we're going to see them rotate out a lot. But I'm kind of liking what Ashton Davis brings to the table now, looking with Jamal being gone and May likely spending a little bit more time in the box. Um, I mean, do you, think that's, do you think that's out of the question to say that he's a guy with, you know, with an expanded role, he's going to bring a dimension to the defense? That, and listen, I know Jamal Adams is a great player, but he, there were some things he didn't, he didn't do well. And I think uh, covering a lot of ground from deep center field and breaking up passes, um, I kind of, you know, a bit of ribbing the other day, because there's still a handful of Jets fans who are upset about the Jamal Adams trade. Um, I think Ashton Davis is going to get an interception at some point um, against the starting NFL quarterback, which Jamal Adams has never done. So I think, um, I think Davis could be, a, could be a significant addition with Adams being gone. Is that, do you think that's, uh, that's, out, of, that's out of bounds? Uh, you know, the only thing that, that, that I think about is, how last year, um, how things played out, and maybe it had to do a lot with, um, you know, Quinnen Williams' health situation because he did have, I believe, a high ankle sprain early in the year. Um, but he wasn't a, a glorified starter on the team. Um, you know, the, the top three that it pretty much looked like it was going with was Henry Anderson, Steve McClendon, and Leonard Williams up front until, you know, some things had changed. Um, and people were saying, like, what the heck is this? This guy's, you know, number three overall, um, first-round pick. You know, that starter material, you know, you, you, you pick that guy to, to be an impactful player. Um, and it didn't really seem like, you know, the rookies were just thrown out there um, right away uh, until injury, you know, kind of forced Greg Williams' hand. So I'm intrigued uh, to see what, where, what his role could be um, I, I kind of like from what I've seen him and I haven't seen a whole lot of film on him and I'll be just dead honest with that but he's got speed he has range he looks like you know if he wasn't playing football he'd probably be playing center field for like a professional baseball team probably because um, he's just like one of those kind of freakish athletes um, so I could really see him as a sing- in a single high safety role and like you said, putting Marcus May in the box, I can I can totally see that. Um, and you know we don't really know what to expect from this McDougal guy. Apparently, he has what it takes to start on any of the other teams in the NFL, respectively. So, uh, is Greg Williams the type of guy that's going to mix and match with his defensive back coverages and and get creative? I can totally see that. So it's all a matter of. You know, how quickly can he get an understanding of Greg Williams' defense? How can he carve out a role for himself? Because Greg expects his players to, you know, have two, if not three roles 
by the time that, you know, September, October rolls around. Um, everyone's got to be versatile. You have to know this job, the back, this other job. And, and, you know, what, when you're finally getting those two down, we're going to put a third role into your mix um, in the event that we need you to come in in a pinch. So I could definitely see him in the rotation. Um, I'm just not, I just can't expect a rookie to be thrown out that soon. I think Greg Williams is going to make him earn it. Um, I think that he is a talented athlete and he will have some sort of uh, a role in here. And I think the guy that's probably going to benefit the most at this point is uh, Marcus May out of the three safeties. Um, That would be my guess. That seems kind of like a no brainer. Um, And I just don't know much about McDougald at all. So uh, I kind of would, could figure Greg Williams sitting here saying, okay, you know, I have my system. I'm not going to be exposed by anybody. Um, you know, as we said today, Arthur Mollett got yanked after, you know, blowing a, one coverage. And last year, as I've said uh, many of times, when Bless Austin got burned just before halftime of that week 16 game, uh, he sat the second half and he never got an opportunity to play snap week 17 either. So that's the kind of coach that Greg Williams is. He doesn't play around. He doesn't, um, you know, put guys out there that's going to make him or the team look bad is for what I'm seeing. So I think this rookie's still got to earn it. Um, I'd love to see him on special teams, kind of, you know, being a gunner and blowing up plays. I could see him doing that. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe in certain situations where they're running like a cover three or a cover four style and you want to get more defensive backs in the field, I would definitely expect to see Davis in a deep coverage role, kind of, you know, looking to make a turnover. So I'm excited to see what the kid's going to bring, but I I don't think that he's going to have a significant role right away. I think Greg Williams is going to make him be a little thirsty and get a little hunger in that belly and make him, make him earn a spot. And that could be the case with, uh, with Williams having that sort of old school mentality. Um, so I just saw a picture of Yannick and Gawkway spotted in the Newark airport. Interesting. Yeah, I saw that. I think I think that was debunked already. I think somebody kind of said that's just a picture of a random dude. Did you see that? <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that I can't. That, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that profile, story, but I, um, cannot, I don't know this guy well enough to say. You know, just from looking at a side profile of somebody's face, that that would be him. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's kind of a weird angle. You can only see like part of his profile, but that looked more credible. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, and I was like, oh, damn. And then I was like, wait a minute. How do I – like, that guy is turned to the side. He's got a big coat on. Like, you can't tell how big he really is. You can only see a portion of the side of he's not wearing a mask. I don't know about this guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, real quick, Alex, the um, uh, story earlier, the Jets had Dante Moncrief, wide receiver, in for a workout. And I wrote an article the other day that upset some people, and that's fine. Um, but, you know, I said – you said, many people said during and after the draft, Joe Douglas should have taken more receivers. Now with Denzel Mims on the shelf. And look, people are like, oh, big deal, Mims. He's, you know, Hammy's a little bulky. He'll be back next week. Maybe he will. But look, anytime you're talking about these sub-4-4 four, four guys and you're talking about hamstrings, sometimes those things linger. Sometimes oh yeah. Sometimes get on the field and they're playing at 70%, or sometimes they can't even get on the field because the hamstring isn't better. Or they, they re-aggravate easily. So... 
listen, I hope the guy's back on the field next week and doesn't look back. But the fact that Mims is dinged up, the fact that Doxson, who you couldn't really expect a ton out of Doxson anyway, but at least you looked at him and said, well, he's a guy who has shown he can catch passes in the NFL. Like he was one of the more experienced guys. Even if he ends up being your fifth or sixth, he's still a depth piece. Um, and then Vincent Smith tears a, a core muscle, and he's out for up to two months. And now it's like, all right, well, there goes Smith, who would have been backing up Mims, and Mims is down, and Doxson is gone. And you're looking at it thinking, did they really have to take a second, third-string quarterback, running back, when there were quality receiver options on the board? I still feel like they should have taken receivers. Um, but now because they didn't, they're having to bring in and work out Dante Moncrief and sign Chris Hogan. I don't get that. Um, it's just it's it, if I had one criticism for Joe Douglas and the way everything's gone, it would have to be the receiver position. Uh, Moncrief, look, Moncrief had himself a nice season a couple years ago in Indy. You know, six seven hundred yards. Um, so he, he, you know, he's another guy six two runs well. Um, but you know, there's a reason why he's not on a team right now. And now he, you know, the Jets are bringing him in to look at him because they need bodies at receiver. Um, do you want a Moncrief? And, and what do you think of the Chris Hogan deal? Uh, you know, I, I I'm not um, somebody that's going to say that I don't think Moncrief could come in and and not have a role here. I think he's still young enough, and he's done good things in Indianapolis. Um, you know, I don't think health or luck with his health department has. Uh, been on his side over the last couple of years, but uh, he's a he's a quality vet. And you know, right now when you're looking at what the what we have year to date, Jameson Crowder is the best receiver that we have in this mix. Um, the next best guy is an average receiver in Brashard Perriman. So uh, you know, you put him in the mix, and you know he would be a little he would give you some balance um, at least. And and with Hogan, um, a little bit older, but he's a vet he's you know coming from the Patriots so obviously you know Bill Belichick is, wanted to bring him in because he thought he would be a value then you know why couldn't we get something out of this guy um you know I I would rather Hogan than a Demarius Thomas that's who I kind of thought the Jets would default to at this point in time so I'm glad to see that you know Moncrief is, is significantly younger than a Demarius Thomas and I, I kind of feel like there's probably some gas left in that tank um and, you know, to kind of go back to what you were saying about that, that fourth round that Joe Douglas had had, um, you know, there were other established quarterbacks on the board, like uh, the kid Eason, um, which I think was from Washington, and Jake Fromm from Georgia. You know, whatever your opinions are, you know, that's fine. But those guys were ranked higher than, than James Morgan. So Morgan could have easily been had that fifth or sixth round, I, I feel. So I agree with you. I mean, you and I are on the same page. We were looking at players like Brian Edwards and Lynn Bowden Jr. and, you know, guys that would come in here and you match them up with Mims and Crowder and Herndon and Bell. Um, just offense would look pretty electric at this point in time. But, you know, we've already gotten hit with the injury bug in that one department. And now we're looking at guys like Jehu Chason. You know, who the heck is that guy? Um, apparently he's getting some, some reps these days. Uh, and that's just because the Jets have seven active wide receivers. Uh, I guess maybe now eight with Hogan coming into the mix and maybe nine with uh, Moncrief. So if the deal's right and the guy's healthy, um, I would definitely bring him in. Uh, because, like you said, hamstring injuries, 
there, you just never can tell. Um, you know, it feels good today. You go out during a warm-up, you feel that tightness that gets in your mind. And, you know, I, I ran track for like seven years, and I've had multiple lower leg injuries, and hamstrings are nagging injuries. They really, really can hold and set you back. And even when you feel healthy, you hold back when you're running because you don't want to have that feeling that burning, you know, sensation in the back of your leg because it's like you're getting shot, you know, in the leg and then you go straight down. And if you tear a muscle in there, the kid's gone for the year. So this is a sensitive situation here with Mims. Um, the Jets have to be smart about this and, and not push him too hard. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, he's not there for us week one. Um, could be one of those those scenarios. I'm trying to be negative, but – truth be told is that he could he could need a solid four to six weeks before he could start doing you know real football stuff um, you know I'm not his doctor I'm not seeing his report so I'm speculating but uh yeah this is uh, a little alarming and um you know we're very thin with talent in that in that group so not having a player like Mims definitely hurts you still there Dwayne? Yeah, sorry, Alex. I I muted you there for a second, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you, you don't you can't just take for granted and assume he'll be back and he'll be a hundred percent. There'll be no issues um, when you hear the word hamstring. And I've just I've always felt that way. And I think that uh, when you're dealing with these guys, these these elite athletes, they're once. I mean, how many times have we seen it? You know, it seems like it, it, it's often an elite receiver or just just a speed guy. It doesn't even have to be a receiver. But these guys who yep. run these sub four four forties, a little a little tweak, and it's like, oh, it's lingering. Oh, it's going to be a week. Oh, we're going to we're going to play it safe and sit him for another week. Oh, he needs. Oh, the buy is coming up. We're going to sit him this week, and that means he gets an extra three weeks. You know, and it just drags on and drags on and drags on. And hopefully, it is nothing. Hopefully, hopefully the Jets are being super super ridiculously cautious, and the guy would have been ready to go two days ago. But they're going to give him a few more days and 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 make sure. Um, because look, the season's coming, and and I mean, how weird is that? I was thinking about this the other day. It's, you know, we're just kind of going through this this, this COVID world of ours, and it, it hit me the other day like the first time we see the Jets this year, it's going to count. Like the first time we put on a television and they're in uniform, mm-hmm. the game is going to count, and they and, and every team, but we don't care about every team, um, it's going to have players that that have never been in an NFL game before. And they're going to be on the field yeah. and having never gone up against an NFL player in in even a you know a, a, a you know the joint practice. Not even that, you know they've worked against their own teammates, which is one thing. But um, when you're going against the guy like who wants to take your head tackle. off and you're coming over the middle, what's that? Like a rookie left tackle protecting the blind side for our franchise quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that, you know, that's that's a question I asked a few weeks ago, maybe even a couple months ago, and said, if you're the Jets, do you start Beckton week one, especially week two when he's got Bosa? Um, I don't know about that. Oof. I don't know if I go with Fant or Beckton. You know, I, I, we're hearing, we keep hearing that the Jets are so impressed with Beckton and Gase is impressed with Beckton and the players are impressed with Beckton. But I've seen at least three tweets where he's, you know, he got beat once by Quinn and Williams. I saw today that uh, Jordan Jenkins manhandled him and put him on the ground and, you know, beat him once yep. a couple days ago. 
So he might be having some quality reps, but it looks like he's also having some bad ones. So what happens when yeah. he's got Bosa in week two and he's having a hard time with Jordan Jenkins right now? Is, it, is, is three and a half, four weeks going to be enough to get him ready to block the best pass rusher in the NFL, arguably? Right. Yeah, I mean, that Bosa kid is electric, and, you know, he's got springs in those legs. So, um, you know, usually when you're in a fight situ- situation, you know, what can be power, sometimes it's speed. And, um, you know, Bosa, Bosa definitely has the speed. And, you know, you talk about Buffalo, you know, they're, they're a powerhouse up front. Um, they've got some really, really good defensive linemen in there. And, you know, you talk about Ed Oliver in the mix and um, – they got guys like Shaq Evans and, um, you know, that, that, that six foot five trait, the Edmonds guy, they're the giant linebacker that they have. So, you know, it's going to be a good test. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, all signs are showing that Beckton will be, you know, on the left side starting week one. And, uh, you know, the guy's got to play, I guess, you know, cause top 10 pick or top 11 pick, um, and with the Jets offensive line scenario right now, um, you know, what are our options here? Um, Fant at left, Adoga at right, and then we work Beckton in. You know, all you're going to hear is just, you know, an outpour from from the fan base here. You know, you don't draft the guy, you know, in that spot, you know, and don't, don't play him. Kind of the same scenario as what I had said with Quinton Williams. So all signs probably allude that he will be there. Um, and, you know, the, the big factor is you got a big guy like that. We've seen all the highlight videos. He's a mauler, you know, he's going to get his hands on people and he's going to upend them and he's going to bury some bodies out in open space like we've seen. But, you know, when you're that big and you're not as fast as some of these speed rushers, that's where they're going to get you. And, um, you know, hopefully he's able to adapt quickly and, you know, he's going to have to learn um, not to be, you know, overzealous with the way that, um, you know, he tries to do his pass protection. Um, you know, good guy to have in house to teach him to brick to Brickashaw Ferguson. Um, you know, he's one of our offensive line guys in there. So, you know, hopefully he can get under uh, this kid's wing and, and, and teach him how to do it the right way. Um, you know, he'll probably have to, I think I saw something that Frank Pollock had mentioned about trying to find a comfortable weight for this guy and, and, you know, they probably want him to lose a few pounds um, just to make it a little bit easier for him, make him a little bit lighter, a little bit more fluid. So I do think the Jets have a game plan for him. Um, and we'll probably see him deployed week one. I'm pretty sure of it. But, you know, sink or swim. And, um, you know, I, I'm pulling for this kid. I really hope he ends up being, you know, the guy that protects Sam for the next 10 years. Um, and, and I hope everything works out for him as far as, you know, health-wise and his weight and and being able to do everything that, that we're expecting from him. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned that Buffalo uh, front seven, one thing worth looking at. And I know you, you probably had – I've done this a few times myself. You said uh, Shaq Evans uh, – I know you meant Shaq Lawson. Uh, Shaq Evans is one of the oh, many Shaq busted Lawson. John Eddick draft picks. Um, yeah, uh, you, yeah. Know, uh, you said it, and I was like, hang on, because like, I've done that a couple time? times myself. <laughs> um, God, but, yeah, Shaq Lawson, uh, one thing that worries me – I don't know if you saw that clip from a, a couple years ago – when Buffalo played Denver and he apparently abused Connor McGovern and McGovern had made some comments before the game about not knowing who Shaq Lawson was and Lawson like chased him down after the game to scream at him. Like, you know who I am now? 
he beat him pretty bad for a couple sacks. So I do remember that's, that. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that's uh, that's another matchup that's worth keeping an eye on, um, and especially the Jets. You know, with this interior. Um, I mean, the whole damn line is new, you know, with the exception, mate, you know, Adoga. That that was one thing, Alex. I don't know if you watched uh, One Jets Drive yet. Really good episode. But uh, heavy, heavy focus on the O line and their chemistry. Not a single shot or mention of Chuma Adoga. Um, not, wow. not a, not a, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting. I'm like, the right, let's hear about guy. Chuma. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. let's hear about Chuma. Let's see what's up with Chuma. And nothing. Um, and you mentioned that. Actually, one thing I wanted to touch on, Alex, I know I, know I mentioned him earlier, uh, Jeff Smith, the receiver out of BC. Um, so this is one of the reasons, or uh, the, I should say, these are the reasons why I think the Jets clearly like the guy a lot. Um, this, this regime didn't sign him. He was undrafted, undrafted free agent out of BC by Mike McCagnan. Joe Douglas didn't sign him. Um, and one thing we hear all, this, all the time, and I tweeted this the other day, you hear it from former players, I've spoken to former players that say this, just these undrafted guys, these late-round undrafted players, like if they can't stay healthy, they're not making the team. Because like, you're already on a short leash. If the team can't get a look at you, they have to move on. Jeff Smith was injured all preseason last year, didn't get on the field. So the team that didn't draft him, didn't get to play him, didn't get to watch him, and they kept him. And they kept him on the practice squad, elevated him to the roster late in the season. He made one catch and then got hurt. They put him on the shelf for the rest of the year and brought him back again this year. And now the first week of practice, they have him running with the ones, despite the fact they have more experienced guys who they brought in. Um, But Smith is the one getting the reps. So whether he sticks or not, I don't know. But this regime clearly sees something in the guy that they like. I mean, how, how often, Alex, do you see a team keep an undrafted free agent who can't get on the field, and especially they didn't, dra- they didn't sign him? They have no loyalty to him. They didn't get to lo- watch him play on the field, and yet here he is getting run with the ones. So I do believe, I do like the, the idea that they, they like what they see in him. But um, it, just you mentioning, you know, not, not a, a McCagnan guy. This is a McCagnan guy. And the Jets have hung on to him. And like I said, they may, they may dump the guy tomorrow. I don't know. He might be the 90th guy or the, the 80th guy on the roster right now. But they're, they're trying to do what they can to get a look at him. So he's an intriguing guy. Anytime, anytime you, got, you got guys that have these world-class, this world-class speed with Joe Douglas having said, you know, that's what, that's what he's looking for is fast guys. Um, he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, one thing that, uh, that I wanted to touch on also, Quinn and Williams, uh, supposedly trimmed down, supposedly looking better. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Alex? Yeah, you know, I, got, uh, I saw a little bit of his interview today after practice. Um, kid said a lot um, of good things out there. Uh, kind of interesting on how he mentioned his mistakes and, you know, how he was a little down on, on his rookie year, didn't didn't feel like that represented him. And, uh, you know, he's looking to right all those wrongs and, you know, become the player that everyone expected him to be, which is an unstoppable force up front. And uh, he looks like he's been working really hard this summer and in the off season, uh He looks like he shaved down a little bit of weight. Because, um, you know, he looked like one of those kids when he came in. You could tell, you could see the size. 
Um, you see, you know, that baby looking face and the braces and everything. And you could almost see like, you know, he's kind of carrying a little bit of weight in the belly and you know, he almost looks like he hasn't really filled into his adult body yet. You know, it seems like he's still kind of growing and maturing and, you know, this guy could end up looking like the Hulk, you know, in another two years from now, once he starts trimming down a little bit more body fat and putting on, uh, you know, a little bit more muscle, you know, now that this guy's got, you know, first rounder salary, um, you know, he's going to be able to eat right. He's going to have the right trainers around him. He's going to have the right people in it, you know, in his uh, group to, you know, stay on top of him, make sure that he's just doing all the right things that a professional football player should be doing. So, you know, I'm very intrigued to see the evolution of, you know, this young player, which was he like, what, 19 or 20 years old when he was drafted. So, you know, some guys are, you know, continue to grow and mature. Um, you know, not everybody, but for me, I just kind of feel like um, we're just like, you know, breaking through the surface of what the potential could be for this Quinn and Williams kid. And I'm excited, you know, because I think if this defense is going to, be in the top five, top 10 conversation this year. Um, it, you know, one of the big focal points is going to be his success. Um, you know, we lost a big guy in the back end, but if we gain a pro bowl caliber player up front, that can really, really balance your team out from, you know, what we've lost already this year. Um, because we, we weren't getting any sort of pressure on the quarterback up front. We had to bring in a safety to do so and Jamal Adams. So now that he's gone, we're going to be forced to have to push those guys up front and those edge defenders to, to do what we want them to do, to get after the quarterback and make those big impactful plays behind the line of scrimmage. And I think that Quinn and Williams will be one of the factors on how successful this defensive line will be. And, and if this kid hits his ceiling and, and starts to show that, you know, he's a prospect that we all kind of, you know, we're hoping and, and reading about and all the analytics going into this kid, um, you know, he's going to, he's going to make this defense look so, you know, un, unstoppable just to, to repeat myself again. Cause when we watched him in Alabama, it looked like nobody could compete with him. And, you know, if he can get to that kind of level of play this year, or start showing glimpses of that. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this defense. Yeah, I think, you know, we all know that that the potential is there. And my expectations, you know, I've said all along, I, 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 I didn't hate the pick the way a lot of people did. I thought it was a very good pick. I think he's going to be a dominant player. Uh, I th- and one thing, and I think I said this after they drafted Becton, and, when, you know, the first interview I watched Becton in, and I had the same feeling when I watched Quinn and Williams, they just look like they're having fun. Like, they just look like good dudes that, like, they they take their job seriously, but they don't take themselves too seriously. They're just having a good time, at least that you know fr- from afar, um, from looking at them, and that you know it's the right kind of attitude to have, um, you know, enjoy themselves out there. Um, another another quick note, uh, just to touch on the Jets. The Jets signed uh, a six foot eight tight end, Connor Davis, a Stony Brook product, who was apparently uh, a force in the uh, the AAF for the XFL or whatever it was. A um, lot of lot of big targets on this roster, but obviously this is a guy we don't know a whole lot about because he hasn't played at the uh, at the NFL level, um, at least not not as far as I can see. But but Alex, your point about the defense, I think so much of it just comes down to the corners. I think that listen, we we know the D line is solid. We know they have a really good 
I mean, a damn good middle linebacker in Avery Williamson, and whoever they pair next to him is going to be at least, at least, you know, an average to above average guy in Neville Hewitt, James, James Burgess, uh, Patrick Onwasar, whoever it may be. On the outside, you have Jenkins, who's a good player, not great, but good. And Basham came on late last season. We hope he can kind of pick up where he left off and, uh, and, and be a, a really good player off the edge. Uh, Marcus May, another one, good player. It's, it's, it comes down to these corners, man. If the corners are solid, this team has a chance. I think, I think as much as I've said Chris Herndon is the key to this offense, I think the corners are the key to the defense. And if they do their job, you know, if Pierre Desir plays like he did a couple years ago, and maybe Bless Austin plays the way he did early last year, or, you know, when he first got on the field before he had a couple hiccups. I think this team has a chance to be, you know, I think their ceiling is nine wins. And I think ne- next week, Alex, will probably do our, our prediction show. You know, what, what's the record going to be? Uh, probably predict the 53-man roster next week as well um, because season's getting here, man. It, it, this past week should have been week one of the preseason, and uh, it's normally after sort of game two or three that we do our predictions, so so have have those ready. But uh, but it, it, in terms of the corners, and see, again, this is the problem, and it's what's frustrating. Normally either I'm out there for Jet Nation at camp or I'm, we're getting reports from the or tweets from the reporters. So little out there. Quincy Wilson, I mean, do you have a lot of faith in, the, in Quincy Wilson? Do you think he's a guy who could start on this roster? Or do you think, you know, I feel like a guy who was given up for a sixth-round pick couldn't possibly start, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what it would really seem like. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Greg Williams was able to get some decent play out of the Nate Harrison from the Colts, and they gave up on him um, until Nate Harrison, um can't remember specifically which game he, he was in where – he had had like a passing interference and let up a couple of plays, and and then I think the next week he was phased out. But uh, I think he got know, dinged up as well. Like I think Greg he sat for the rest of the year after that, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I know that he came in, and I think he played the nickel one week when Brian Poole was dealing with a possible concussion protocol, um, and he made an interception that play too, um, which is just you know basically him being a benefactor of Williams' scheme and defense, but. Uh, you know, if if we could take a guy off, you know, somebody's uh, junk, you know, that you were going to throw out on the curb and Nate Harrison and turn him into something for a couple weeks. And, I mean, he got time over Tremaine Johnson, who was being paid as a premier lockdown number one corner, and and he was playing better at that point in time than Tremaine Johnson. So um, I wouldn't really write off Quincy yet, um, you know, he could end up just being a guy in the bubble and then, you know, he's off the roster in a couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm interested to see how this all plays out. Um, you know, if I were to say right now, who, you know, who's the top two is probably just here. Um, and I kind of would flip the coin between Austin and Mallette. Um, and then, yeah, the dark horse would probably be, be Wilson. I mean, if you look at, these guys predicated off of like, you know, what they did in college, you know, you'd think that Wilson would be the guy that should be the number two. Um, but things just didn't work out and click for him in, in Indianapolis. So, uh, and, and he, I, what is he working with now? He's working with like the threes and the fours maybe. So he's buried. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got a lot to prove. Um, but I, you know, he knows that there's opportunity. 
um, to go up and go grab that number two spot. So I'm sure he's going to be working as hard as he possibly can to try to grab that. <laughs> you know, would I feel confident with him as the number two? No. I, I, I you know, at this point, I, I still kind of feel like we could do better on the outside. Um, and I don't know, you know, if we could do that, you know, with a Logan Ryan maybe from free agency. You know, I would probably feel way more comfortable with a Logan Ryan and Desir situation than I would with a Wilson Desir. Um so, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Um, I think he's going to make the squad um, kind of a uh, little bit of a, you know, preview to my 53 for next week prediction. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to circle that one back. Um, and it, like you said, it sucks not being able to, to be there and get eyes on the scene and, and be able to, you know, give our audience, as we always have the last few summers, um, you know, what we're seeing in camp live and up front and, you know, how we expect things to shake out going into week one. So definitely hard to, to, to put these guys and, 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 you know, write them in stone. Yeah, it really is. It, it's that, that's been, it's, it's, it's just frustrating. Again, the, the information is there, there's just so little of it. Um, I want to ask you a quick it, question. It, Are, and I saw you write this the other day. Um, are you concerned about this, you know, not having a preseason and these guys just basically, you know, get out there and show us what you got week one in September? Um, are you concerned about them being able to get all on the same page and get gelled and, and become like that well, you know, greased unit and, and, and all gears are going to be fire, firing off all cylinders week one? Do you think that's possible or do you think it's going to be a little bit of a – no, I, mean, I, I think like it's going to be ugly for a time. I mean, you know, you think most teams will have some struggles, um, but it's, it, you know, to have four new starters, one rookie um, on the O-line is going to be tough. I, Rich Semini of ESPN did a piece the other day, interviewed former O-line coach uh, Bill Moir, who used to coach uh, the Jets O-line for a time, and he said it's it's basically it's the mission impossible. You know, five guys who have never played together before and will not have a single preseason rep, and week one is game time. Um, it's it's a little bit scary to be honest, and I think I think we might see some uh, some extra protections for Sam Darnold. We might see some extra tight ends blocking. We might see uh, a lot of you know Le'Veon Bell in the backfield picking up blitzers because if if you're playing the Jets and, and you know they've got five guys who've never played together before, you're gonna blitz like crazy until they show they can stop you, um, and you either gotta block yeah. them. Or Darnold has to make a couple throws that makes teams say, okay, we got to back off a little. Um, but uh, we only got a couple seconds left before we go. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Alex. Meant to do this at the top. Uh, Jet Nation Radio would like to thank our sponsor, Miles Social. That's M I L E Social. Uh, MilesSocial.com. Check out their website. If you're a business owner and you need help managing all of your social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it may be, Miles Social has got you covered. Check them out at milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social.com. Give them a look today. So, Alex, uh, next week, possibly next week, definitely by the following week, we will do a, a season predictions, previews, rosters, awards predictions, playoff predictions, all that good stuff. And uh, season's going to be here soon, man, and it's, it's going to be – it's going to be interesting to say the least. Um, like we said, not no reps for the O line. That's the biggest factor. And and how does that change how the Jets go about things? We will see. 
But, uh, but that's it for us this week, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, we will catch you next week. Thanks a lot, Jet Nation. Good to be back, Glenn. All right, Alex. We'll catch you next week, bud. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets.